Kentucky. That's right, baby. Today we have Moose Almighty, the jam band, funk jam, jam rock, funk, whatever uh, genre you would like to call them. I like to call their music just simply fucking awesome. Uh, And we will get to that here in just a couple of minutes with Kevin, Dan, Aaron, and Chris of the Seattle-based band Moose Almighty. Um, and outside of having a, just a, you know, a fantastic sound, they've also got one of the coolest band names ever in Moose Almighty. Uh, so we'll give them that credit as well. Um, today is Tuesday, October 26th. We're already at the end of October. Shit's nuts, man. This is actually the last scheduled interview that I, uh, that I have here, uh, on the Mid Park Music on Air podcast. My name, of course, Kevin Vargo, the founder of Mid Park Music Media and 39 Management, um, if you haven't checked either of those sites out, please do. The 39 Management site went uh, live uh, Excuse me, this past Sunday. Very excited to announce I'm working officially with Southbound Beretta, an American hard rock band out of Indianapolis, Indiana, and uh, the Chewy Center, which is actually a um, fairly similar type band, both in, in aura, uh, you know, in energy, and just uh, conversationally, uh, and sound to Moose Almighty. Uh, they're a jam-infused space rock band is how they uh, coined themselves out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, super excited for that. So, and very humbled. I mean, just, I, I can't even, yeah, I can't even put it into words and, and just ready to get rolling with them and, and uh, make some things happen. Um, outside of that, just put up a brand new playlist. Finally got uh, the international game going. Uh, so if you are, uh, or if you've been checking out the regional playlists on midpark.com, of course, we've got the Western winners, the nasty Northeast, Southern smoke, Midwest magic is what started it all. Canada can rock. And now we have our international idols. Obviously we, uh, we all know what American idol is. Uh, I figured it'd be a nice little twist on it to go with the international idols, uh, you know, I've been doing a little wordplay on all of them anyway, so uh, check that out. All bands from overseas, you've got a lot from the UK, from Sweden, I think one from Italy, Singapore, really cool stuff. Um, so another side of the world, but uh, all into the same type of stuff here with music, and it's just one of those things that connects us all. Um, what else do we want to go over here? Oh, of course, the song that you heard there at the beginning, uh, that was a little snippet of No Brains, No Headaches. So that is off of uh, the band's... Uh, most recent album there, Spare Parts, uh, which was released in this past March. And uh, we're going to listen to that whole song here in just a minute. Um, speaking of albums, the band, uh, and you'll hear, uh, I think Aaron mentioned at the end, uh, they've got another one coming out this Friday, the 29th. That's right. Uh, so this Friday, the 29th, uh, Moose Almighty is going to be releasing uh, their uh, live uh, album that is going to be called We Play Shows, um, and it's going to be essentially all tracked from uh, performances from Eugene, Oregon on July 9th, Monty Fest uh, in Portland, Oregon on July 10th, in Seattle, Washington on June 4th, uh, and July 24th. So um, that'll be, I can't wait to hear that. That'll be really, really fantastic. You know, the, the core sound of jam bands is live, you know, as you'll hear them talk about a lot. So um, it's going to be really, really awesome to hear that for sure. Um, but again, like I said, that was uh, what we heard there, just a snippet of, and now we'll, we'll hear the whole thing, is uh, no brains, no headaches. So two things to note. One, this is a longer interview. I think that that we just had such a, a great cohesive conversation, and in, in, um, you'll hear me say a couple times, it could have gone for three hours. I mean, these guys get it and, and just had so much in common with them. Um, and all of their songs are pretty long as well, which to me, I like. I think that that is the way that, that you know, 
the longer the song, the more, uh, you know, expression and, and just, uh, and I think that's, you know, another key thing of, of their type of music is having long songs and the ability to break out and to open, you know, in, in different areas of the song. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to note that. So that's why it might be seeming a little bit longer. So this one uh, that we are about to listen to the whole song of uh, is eight minutes and 26 seconds. So we'll listen to the whole thing. No Brains, No Headaches by Moose Almighty. We'll come back, wrap it up just a couple things with a couple comments, and then we'll head into the whole conversation with Kevin, Dan, Aaron, and Chris. Thank you. Make time. 
did you feel like you were listening to uh, the Grateful Dead? Because I did. Uh, actually, I felt like I was listening to Moose Almighty. I don't want to take that away from them. <laughs> but I, of course, only mean that uh, in the greatest compliment ever. Um, that's the real deal, man. They are good. That is good, good, good stuff. Um, if you are into the jam scene, um, yeah, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, also got to give a shout out to the local scene um, in Seattle, of course. I uh, I have always had a long there's long since had an infatuation with Seattle from far away. I don't know why. Um, actually, I do. I think there's a lot of cool things about it. And uh, I could see myself moving there someday. But, um, yeah, got to gotta give that shout out as well. Uh, I always love the song Hello Seattle by Owl City. I know that's really, really corny and, and not in, in no way is that rock and roll. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I, hey, man, we like what we like, whatever. Um, the guys are completely independent. Uh, Moose Almighty is completely independent, as are most of the bands that uh, that I talk with on the on the podcast here. Um, so I, I always like to give that shout out as well. You know that's important that they're doing everything on their own. Um, you know, from we were even talking about you know the way they make their shirts and and merch and and I mean it. I'm not sure that if the common person knows how much goes into that. So all the respect in the world for that. Um, and uh, they had their dog in the home studio as well. That was uh, hilarious. And, and you'll, you'll hear him come in there uh, towards the end. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm a big dog guy, so I had to give that as well. And then the last thing I wanted to note, um, the guys are in their home studio, um, which is really cool. Um, we did the whole interview from there. And, and I am so very thankful that they actually recorded the podcast on their end um, and sent me some audio um, in which on for their answers and which they're, when they're speaking in the, it's unbelievably clear and, and the quality is just incredible. Um, I would have had to cut quite a few things to be able to get their, their thing mixed with mine, their sound mixed with mine. Um, so I didn't ultimately use it, but like I have got to thank them for that. And, and, you know, and nobody's ever done that before. So I just appreciate them for taking the time to do that. And the home studio was awesome as well. You know, like I said, um, it was nice to have the conversation in there. I could tell they were sweating. They were, uh, <laughs> they're sitting in us in a, the home studio. They're all right next to each other. One by one by one by one. And, uh, by the end of the hour, hour plus conversation here, they were sweating as I probably would be as well. Um, but that's, uh, that's really it. We're going to get into it here with Kevin, Dan, Aaron, and Chris. So funny. My name's Kevin, of course. My, my best friend in the whole world's name is Dan. I, uh, I told them that as well. Um, I guess it's not really that funny. Those are two fairly common names, but uh, either here nor there. Um, so we heard no brains, no headaches at the, at the beginning. Uh, we are now going to hear Hot Wax. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. So Hot Wax, uh, this is probably my favorite Moose song. Um, this is another long one, eight and a half minutes plus. Um, just takes you to space and back. Phenomenal, phenomenal keys work in here uh, by Dan, uh, who, oh, I almost forgot. Huh? Dan, the keyboardist, went to John Mayer's high school. He actually ran through the halls of his high school. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, of course, you get it there. But he actually uh, went to John Mayer's high school, uh, which it, for me is, is you know, really cool. Um, John Mayer is a big part of my life and a huge influence for me. So I had to touch on that as well. But um, Heller, I mean, just, uh, excuse me, killer uh, keys in there, everything. I mean, I, I don't want to just harp on one. I mean, truly, that that's this song that we're about to hear and, and this whole album, huh? Um, uh, Spare Parts, Jesus, forgetting the name of the album. 
uh, is phenomenal. And uh, of course, we've got a number of other stuff as well. You know, they've been they've been going since 2019. Uh, so make sure you check out all that stuff on on Spotify, on all the all the streaming stuff. And then again, as we mentioned, the new album that's going to be coming out um, this Friday. The, the tw- <coughs> excuse me, the 29th, uh, uh, Moose Almighty, we play shows. So make sure you check that out. But uh, I am going to stop rambling on here. Gonna, we're going to listen to Hot Wax, the whole song. Uh, that's going to take us into the conversation. Thank you. 
All right, here we've got the full band. Love when we get a full band. Sometimes we get the one-on-one. Sometimes we get a few members. Here we've got a full band uh, coming all the way out of Seattle with Moose Almighty. Guys, welcome. Hey, what's up? Hey, hey, thanks for having me. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, Um, I'm very excited for this one, and for a number of reasons. Um, You know, we were just talking off of the recording. Um, I have always personally been infatuated with Seattle. Uh, it dates all the way back to my love of Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, and playing the Nintendo 64 Ken Griffey Jr. video game. Uh, man, so, you know, for years, I've, I've always had Seattle on my map. What is uh, the music scene like in Seattle? Um, I mean, it's actually, it's actually a pretty solid scene. Um, you know, I have some friends who are in Boston and they're in bands and sometimes they struggle to find gigs of appropriate, you know, at the right venue size. And there's really no issue with that in Seattle. There's a ton of, there's a ton of venues that are like seeking out local bands to play. So if anything, yeah. we tend to get more show offers than we can even do a lot of the time. Um, yeah. and you know, it's not like you're playing the one place over and over again. There's like, you can kind of bounce around and hit a lot of different places. And, you know, there's like, a, there's just a ton of bands. So we, we have a ton of, uh, bands that we're friends with that we play with on a regular basis and it's just a very like thriving scene so i mean it's been it's been awesome being able to be out here and playing it yeah i mean seattle always has embraced this sort of like mentality of like that support local support small kind of thing so it translates really well into into the music scene uh like being able to find those small venues to to support local acts to get bigger and, and kind of build themselves up a little bit and uh like the community itself like like meeting musicians and getting to know the people in the bands here uh, everybody in the scene is extremely supportive too. Like, um, I mean, some nights if you are playing to like very few people, like you're at least playing. Like all the other bands, like stick around and like jam to your shows. Like it's it's a it's a really cool like supportive community, and, and uh, it's it's not always easy to find that in certain cities. Couldn't ask for a better answer. Uh, that was Aaron uh, on the bass and Dan keyboards, respectively. Uh, appreciate it, guys. Yeah, that that. That's what I would expect. Um, you know, like you said, Seattle's I've always expected very tight knit. Really, any of any of those Pacific Northwest cities, I think, is kind of the same. Um, could be wrong though. But um, outside of music, what's life like in Seattle? To me, seems very ideal. You got the nature, you got the city. I don't know. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I'm in the middle of Chicago, stuck around nothing but pavement. I never see grass. Uh, so tell me about it. Well, no, it's it, you're, you're. I mean, you you got it. It's it's a super green city. A lot of a lot of really awesome parks. A lot of really awesome nature. I mean, you're you're always like about an hour drive from some of the most beautiful views like in the whole country. It's it's really really incredible. The city is you know there's a lot to do inside the city. There's never there's never a lull. If you're looking for something to do, there's always something to do. But at the same time, like it's very quaint. It still kind of keeps this sort of small town sort of feel, like in the in the north parts of the city. And uh, like you can you can really find something for for every person in this city. Like there's 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 a little kind of niche for everybody here. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's kind of like one of the best kept secrets of the whole country. Like. God, we, we try not to tell people how nice it is. <laughs> yeah. No, really, there there's like a uh, like an air of inspiration. Really, you, you look around east and west are mountain ranges. To the south, you have Rainier, which is criminally dramatic in like a beautiful way. Yeah, for sure. And 
to the north, there's more Cascade, Mount Baker, to name one. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. It's like everywhere you look is it's like breathtaking, you know. And I don't know, it's a super clean city, so the air is crisp, and and you can see pretty long distances. You know, I, I grew up in the Boston area, and I lived in Southern California, and those are two of like the uh, I don't know you whatever you call it, you know, smog. I said smog, smog. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, and, and up here, you, you don't quite get the same level for, you know, the big city feel that you get. Also, my favorite part is there's no humidity. So, yeah. also, yeah. like the humidity is yeah. the worst. So here, it's it's like the summers are beautiful. Like, everyone thinks it rains all the time. And that's, that's really just like November, March. Everything else is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. No, that sounds great. Shit, I'll take I'll take rain from November to March over snow. Uh, yeah, Chicago oh, snow yeah. is not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now you you touched on it briefly there. Um, that was Chris that, that was talking uh, that we hadn't introduced yet, um, and, and so far we we haven't heard from Kevin. Kevin, maybe you could start here. Uh, I don't know if all of you are not from Seattle. Yeah. Is that right. So. You can go down the line, I guess, uh, which is very interesting, I think, you know, from coming from different places and now you're kind of in one. But it might work. You know, obviously it does work uh, very well for you. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm, I'm from Virginia originally, northern Virginia, right outside of D.C. So it's closer to D.C. than really any of the other more rural parts of Virginia. Uh, I had some family out in those parts, which is really, really nice. Um, but I, uh, when I was in high school, I was, I was doing rowing and then I ended up out at UW to do that. Uh, only did it for two years because of how competitive it was. And so I just kind of forgot about that and just kind of started thinking more about music. And I just got a job making coffee, which is still what I'm doing now. I'm manager of a donut shop here in, in Ballard. Um, and, uh, we're doing music on the side and it's been growing and growing pretty significantly over the last two years. So I'm really excited to see that and be able to kind of have that part of my life too. Like I have my work life of just, you know, your, your day job. And then, you know, I'm able to commit my most of my mental energy to this type of stuff, which is really a blessing, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Dan, real quick before you go, uh, Kevin, you, so you said Virginia. Yeah. Seattle, that's far as buck. Yeah. That's pretty far. <laughs> yeah. So, that was coming out of high school when you moved. Yep. That had to be, I don't know what the situation is at home, but I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm sure even, you know, friends or family or whatnot, I'm sure that was very difficult. Yeah. But, but good. Very difficult, but good. Great. It was really, it was definitely a challenge because I was simultaneously leaving home for such a far distance and also joining a program that was really, really competitive uh, and so I was kind of stressing out about both of those things. So I would literally call my parents like every single night before I had dinner. And it was just like a way to, a way to connect back. And like, that's, that's always been my advice to anybody that moves that far away. It's just call your parents or whoever that is. That's that you would be missing at home. Just call them. And if it's yeah. every day, call them every day. Like my, I have a, I have a family member that just kind of did the same thing. He moved from Virginia and now he's out in Texas. And I gave him the same advice. I was like, it's, it, it'll give you anxiety, but, Call your folks, call your family. Like they, they will pick up. And it's it's everything that I needed. So it was definitely yeah. Amazing, but uh, yeah, with with the right kind of support, it's it's really it's doable for sure. Awesome, man. Very cool. Dan, what about you? 
Uh, actually, well, I don't know if it's further. It's probably same distance. I grew up in uh, Fairfield, Connecticut, right outside of New York City. Oh my God, that's John Mayer's hometown. That is actually yeah, yeah that's John Mayer's hometown. <laughs> John Mayer's my John Mayer's my idol. I know everything about John Mayer, so I know that's weird, but yeah. yeah. That, so that song, The Real World, where he said, I want to run through the halls of my high school. Like, that's my high school. Like, I went there. No, is that just Fairfield High School? Fairfield High, yeah. Well, it's split mm-hmm. into two different high schools because the population got so big. But it's still the same building that I went to high school with. It's just Wow. That's um, very cool. Yeah, so my babysitter uh, growing up, like, was in the same graduating class as him. And uh, she used to talk about, like, how much of, a like, an outcast and a nerd he was. Like, everyone used to make fun of him and shit. Oh, yeah, I know. He, he, big fan. <laughs> so, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, yeah, uh, him, a couple other famous folks from, from Fairfield. But, uh, yeah, Justin Long, the actor, James Blake, the tennis player. Um, a lot of, like, weird, weird celebrities. Paul Danos from, um, from Milton, right? Milton. Yeah, and then, uh, like... Uh, I can't remember the guy who plays Landfill in uh, or, or uh, Farva in, Farva. in Super Troopers. Yeah. yeah, he he went to Farva. high school in my town. <laughs> wow, that's, that's wild. Justin Ray. Yeah, yeah, I should have read with Farva. I should have led with Farva. Yeah. No, but um, my my folks are from the from New York City, from the Bronx. Uh, so so they moved out of the city uh, in like the '80s and uh, raised me and my brother in Connecticut. Um, so I lived there most of my life. I went to college in New Orleans for a year. Uh, I dropped out and then immediately just moved to Seattle. Um, and it's was in Seattle. Why Seattle? Um, I was, I was working when I dropped out of college, I was working at home, uh, at a music shop, uh, selling music instruments at a retail store. And, uh, the, it was, it was like a national chain and they just opened up like 12 new stores in the Western Washington area, right around Seattle. And they were looking for for people to help, you know, work at the stores. So uh, I just drove out here. I'd never been to Seattle before in my life. And I just packed up my car and it took me like four days. I made it out here, rented an apartment, and I just like kind of settled down. And uh, yeah, it worked out. I, I took a huge gamble, huge leap of faith, but it, it definitely worked out. And uh, I kind of put my head into music and, and, uh, and really, really kind of grinded and practiced a whole lot. Definitely paid off, you know. So, wow, man, lots of lots of very interesting things there. So both of you, actually, so far, uh, Dan and Kevin, uh, lots of similarities between myself as well. You know, I'm I'm not from my uh, where I live. You know, all my family's elsewhere. I'm not quite as far. You're all far away. Shit, you're yeah. all uh, very far. Almost like three thousand miles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm in Chicago. My family's in Northeast Ohio, so I can drive in about eight hours. Uh, six hours, but I don't have a car, so that gets difficult. <laughs> um, uh, I don't, I don't need one here. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of just kind of going to a new city and figuring it out, you know that I've always, I've always recommended people, you know, got to get out of your hometown. But for it's sure. not for everybody. Um, so I, and I try not to say that's the right way, but definitely learn some things in a good way. I think that's, that's you got to know what else is out there, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, and it's it's hard to you know convey to somebody else what's out there when they have no idea. You know, when they've never been out. Uh, yeah. But once you once you get out, yeah. Seeing is believing. Yes, like uh, from the movie Santa Claus. <laughs> Jeez. Um, Aaron. Uh, yeah. So I'm from uh, Bangor, Maine. So a little further up north, but still east coast. Uh, and then I grew up in Belfast, Maine, on the coast. Um, and I uh, 
went to school in New Hampshire, Manchester, New Hampshire, and then lived in Portland, Maine, and uh, Boston before uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts, before uh, moving out here in 2017. So I'd kind of kicked around New England uh, a fair amount and needed a slightly larger change. And my girlfriend and I had visited uh, Seattle just like on a trip, did Seattle and Portland and enjoyed it. And then like a few months later, we're like, we should move. And suddenly that trip became just like, I guess we're going to Seattle. So, um, but yeah, so I came out here in 2017. Um, and then uh, a little story about how we kind of met each other. I didn't know a ton of people to start. I didn't really know anyone. We had like one friend who we knew in the area. Yeah. Uh, so that was like August, 2017. And then next, that following summer, uh, Fish played the Gorge out here. I didn't really have anyone to go with. So I just went solo and drove out. And Dan was actually my neighbor at the Gorge with. Don't uh, tell me you met at a fish concert. Yeah, yes, yeah, so they were my neighbor, and then Chris Stein was <laughs> our uh, our original guitarist. So it was them two, and then a couple other guys. But um, yeah, it was just like neighbors at the Gorge. You know, I often think like, had I you know not taken the bathroom break or not gone to the liquor store at a certain time or something before the show, you know, you'd end up in a completely different band, maybe. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so then yep, and then like a few months later, we're like, hey, let's get a jam session going. Like here we are. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that that's that's awesome. Uh man, the band was literally formed at a fish concert. Yeah. It's, it's, as as you continue to grow, you gotta highlight that. That's gotta be uh that's that's cool. Um that whole thing, man. So yeah, slightly slightly bigger move than than uh moving around uh, New England. You went all the way to the west coast, about as far as you could go. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've got what DC area, Fairfield, Connecticut slash New York City, all of New England. Chris, you're last. Where do you come from? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so I grew up in Salem, Massachusetts, just like 20 minutes north of Boston. Yep. Uh, I went to college in Colorado, and then I really moved around a lot. I, I lived in New Hampshire, the uh, Washington, D.C. area. I moved back to Boston, and then I moved to, like, Idaho for a little while, and then I moved to California, and then I moved to here for work. Um, and so, I, yeah, I work for uh, a, a pharmaceutical company, and I train people how to, uh, like, test efficacy on their drugs you know, and like determine whether or not it's going to kill people or be safe for them. I find that job very unique given your style of music. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm, there's, I think there's one kid who joined like eight months ago, nine months ago. He's in his early twenties. He's like really into mayor and dead in company. And so, yeah, we have one of those guys hanging around, but other than that, man, it's a, <laughs> I don't meet a lot of people who uh, want to come or come to our shows again from work. They're, <laughs> a, couple come they're a little bit show. like, you know, man, like when I said, I, you know, I taught, I, I taught high school math. So like, I'm in, there were like eight people at like my college major, like cookout. It's just like a weird, it's very like nerdy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like we're studying you know the same subject they were like that's not cool also still blowing that you were a teacher yeah, <laughs> yeah i did i taught that is uh gosh i feel like we could do a whole episode just pretty well based off of where you guys come from and everything 
<laughs> yeah, we've been around, man. That definitely yeah. Yeah, and it's funny again. We didn't make a connection because we were from the East Coast. We just all met and hung out and played. And oh, we're all discovered. We're all from the East Coast. And so. then you're you're probably all stoned one night and we're like, wait, where are you from? Where are you from? <laughs> where are you from? No way. <laughs> oh man, that is uh, all very cool. Um, let's get into the music. So, you know, I've I I'm very I'm very complimentary to everybody I have on here. I, I believe that, and I I would not. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have somebody on the on the podcast whose music I didn't like or vibe with. Um, don't usually put on the playlists either, uh, unless somebody specifically asks. But that hasn't really happened a whole lot. Long story short, getting to the fact that your music's really fucking good. Um, Thank you. you know, I, yeah, I don't I don't understate that at all. Um, for anybody who would be into fish. I again I truly can hear some of the doors, the dead, string cheese, all of those bands, uh, whom are all phenomenal uh <laughs> what they do. Um yeah, there's a lot of ways we could go with that. I guess we'll start just in chronological order and kind of go from there. So you started with debut singles, uh it was Tito's theme, but there were two songs on that one, right? Yeah, Tito's theme and then this uh, song, Painted Soldiers. Paint, Tito's theme and Painted Soldiers. That was in March of 2019. How did that come about? Well, let's see. Um, Tito's theme uh, was was a riff that our first guitar player, Chris Stein, which was uh, who was a, a childhood friend of, of mine. We grew up in, in Connecticut together. Um, so, you're, so you had another guitar player who was also named Chris. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Which yeah. Is he played. Yeah. He played on the first record, and then he left, and then we swapped out Chris's in about three weeks' time. You know, and joke is we didn't have to update the website. You know, very clean transition. So yeah. Then so, you got another Chris. Yeah. yeah new, new Chris. So Tito's kind of started as this just short little riff uh, that Chris Stein, our original guitar player, wrote, and this is actually one of the first times we had the band like stripped down our setup, moved into the living room, and like focused on songwriting like in a in a smaller kind of stripped down format. And uh, we took it, added some chord changes to it, added some jam uh, sort of elements to it, and it became like kind of this big. It's probably one of our biggest jam vehicles when it comes to live uh, performances. Tito's theme like is always kind of the one we all look forward to playing because oh, yeah. it, it always gets pretty wild. Um, and Painted Soldiers was a song that I wrote with uh, our first guitar player, Chris Stein. It was kind of just a folk tune that we used to play at open mics, uh, which is actually how we met Kevin uh, playing at open mics at the Blue Moon uh, here in Seattle. And uh, it kind of formed into uh, into a full band song when we met these guys and kind of uh, kind of created the band and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it was that that was kind of uh, our first foray into into like songwriting and, and like really understanding how uh, like what we can add to each other's music and stuff like that from a songwriting perspective. Um, and I'll add too. I always I always like to point at Tito's theme. Like our first record is like definitely more on the indie rock side like i think when chris joined we like really like took off like a rocket on like the jam and like like our sound really evolved so like the first album is like a little more indie rock but like the tito's theme was like the prototype song for moose almighty that like when he joined it was kind of the sound we were looking for so like that's the song from like the first album that like most captures where we were going i mean the whole album is fantastic but you know different different guitar player different vibe uh, we've definitely like evolved a lot since then so 
but Tito's was like pretty much from the get-go, like the moose sound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so many questions. I'm so, I'm just very interesting. Um, so where, because we could talk about the, the band name or the song names. Um, let's talk about the band names because you just mentioned the moose sound. Um, has it always been moose almighty under that name? Whoa. <laughs> well, actually, so, uh, um, the very first gig we ever played was, Uh-oh at this bar right around the corner from where we live now at this place called Goofy's. Where do you live? Do you live in Seattle? I live in Seattle. In uh, Aaron lives in uh, Capitol. Capitol Hill. Kevin and I live here in the band studio uh, in North Ballard, and Chris lives in Wallingford, not far from here in Ballard. Is it um, Capitol Hill where the, the, uh, the autonomous zone was at? Yeah. yeah, so I was uh, I was about four or five blocks up from the autonomous zone. So lots of marching, lots of helicopters there for a couple for about a month or so. <laughs> Seems like it, man. Well, that's a whole nother thing. All right, anyways. So our very first gig was played at a, at a place called Goofy's, uh, right around the corner here on on Fifteenth Avenue, uh, and we were billed as Malinger, and Malinger, which originally was a mispronunciation of the word malinger which means to like feign illness or like to fake sick to get out of doing any work or like getting out of doing anything. Um, and I always really loved that name, but these guys always hated it. So well, we, we, we picked another one. Well, so I didn't hate it. So I, I, I work in tech and like, so I'm a mind for like search engine optimization. So I put in, you know, Malinger and, and, you know, Google and up comes this guy who has a band camp and like, literally he's like got a guitar and his underwear out and everything. And I'm like, guys, we can't like, this is, this domain is taken and we want nothing to do with it. The album, the album. <laughs> I feel like exactly. there were a couple like single covers that was just like a, like a close up of a nipple. Yeah. Yeah. Nipples, nipples <laughs> and whitey like tights really was like yeah. the entire marketing of this other band. So, you know, we decided to stake a, stake a new claim. I still stand by. It's a great name. <laughs> Wow, that's funny. I I totally under, I feel like I've asked that I do ask that question a lot, and and the uh, the idea of SEOs and like making sure that it's not taken and whatnot always comes up. Oh, um, so how the hell did we get to Moose Almighty? Um, I mean, we were we debated for like a couple of weeks, and we we were like really liking something around the name Moose. We we're like Moose something like. Um, but then I think it was just like a random band name generator. We were yeah. spitting out a bunch of options and Moose Almighty was one of them and it just it just stuck. And you know, I think a lot of like I there's tons of band names out there that are like, you know, adjective animal and like we definitely fall on that thing, but I think like flipping it around where it's like Moose Almighty and Flip It's got like a different tone to it than other band names. I don't know, we just we just really enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, and we searched and there is there is one Moose Almighty out there, but it's like this guy who's like a sword swallower, like out of Maryland. So we thought like we're in different things going on. And we actually talked to him online and, you know, if we ever get on the East coast, we're just going to get him to come on the show and like swallow a sword on stage or something, you know, for cross promotion. <laughs> He's the only other Moose Almighty. So it actually worked out well. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. Was there any uh, planning with the, because uh, the Mariners mascot is a moose, isn't it? All right. Can we, I, you're, I you're over, the second person to say that. that. This drives me insane. Why yeah. is the Mariner's mascot a moose? A Mariner is somebody who's at the sea, like a sailor, right? Why the fuck is it a moose? That makes no fucking moose sense to me, dude. Great swimmers. I don't They're get fantastic it. Swimmers. It's dumb. I'm, can... I'm, 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 I'm angry. I'm with Dan. They can swim in the I'm, ocean. Moose are very. It should agile. be like a haggard old sailor with like a pig leg or some shit. Like a moose. Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as a no. 
I guess they were, yeah. we also kind of yeah. shot our cross promotion in the foot there, but not like that's happening. That's too funny. Uh, I just I didn't even think about it until because remember the the time I had featured you guys on Instagram and I went on my story to I typed in moose and the like the first thing that came up was the moose from Seattle and I was like oh my god that's perfect they're from Seattle moose Almighty. Um, I don't know why, but a lot of sports mascots are like that. I don't know. It's really weird. I think yeah. I, I mean I think the answer ultimately is you know like you said yes it's just Mariners are you know on the sea but then they also wanted to give a little homage to the Pacific Northwest uh, and having the moose but I don't know either here nor there this is not about the Seattle Mariners mascot uh, <laughs> okay so that is not our team <laughs> yeah no uh, we've Thank got serious <laughs> it's already depressing enough here yeah we've got. Three full albums, which is remarkable um, for only being, you know, a band for what three, four years. Um, Not even, but almost, yeah, almost October, three, October twenty eighteen, yeah, almost three now. Yeah, October twenty eighteen. So yeah, about three years. Uh, three full albums. I mean, these all have what 10, 12, 10 11, 12 tracks each. Um, Latest one only had seven, we, we, but that's because the jams were a little long. We tried to keep it to, uh, to uh, vinyl length because we're hopefully going to press it onto LP pretty soon. Yeah, they're all long as hell, which is good, I think. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I see so many songs that are released today that are like two and a half minutes, and yeah. uh, it, it, it's not my cup of tea. It's too quick, way too quick. That's um, the attention span of a lot of folks these days, which I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Let's talk about because we've got we got the band name. Let's talk about these song names. Let's just go across some of the albums here. I'm gonna highlight some of my favorites. This is very grateful dead like. We've got what is this? Po how do I say this? Polygonal, polygonal Todd? Polygonal Todd, yeah. Polygonal Todd. Uh we've got Lapis Lazuli Julie. <laughs> like <Aaron. laughs> yeah. Spoon Bender. Spoon Bender, yeah. Dutch Orange Radio. Yeah. Uh, we got Katie Bar the Door, Hot Wax, What the Fuck. What and I love, I mean, I mean what the fuck in the greatest way. Uh, where are all these coming from? Well, let's see. Let's let's begin. Polygonal Todd was uh, our first guitar player wrote that song about like a weird uh, Teacher, professor, like a professor he used to have. In yeah, college I thought, or something I thought like it was that. a math teacher. He was like yeah. this, just like the strangest guy in the world. No, no, I think he was his like uh, his design professor. Or something okay, like that. He's definitely. It was teacher. something really weird. I wish I get. I wish I had more stories about Good it, but animals. I really don't. Uh, he was just a strange dude. Um, but uh, let's see what what else. Hot wax actually is a funny one. We were jamming on that song when we wrote it before there was really any lyrics or anything to it. And uh, I had a big red uh, apple cinnamon candle lit on the on the shelf here, a floating shelf. And we jammed so hard that the candle like tipped off the shelf and spilled hot wax all over the carpet and all over my keyboards and everything. So wax just like went everywhere. So we named the song Hot Wax. It's like hot wax spilled everywhere when we wrote it. So <laughs> so lapis lazuli Julie is a. Chris uh, cannot wait for this. It was like yeah, a, yeah. it was like a joke, kind of like I remember we were walking out of practice after playing Polygonal Todd, and Dan's like, "I'm working on a song called Onomatopoeia, Peter," <laughs> which true, stay yeah. tuned because it's good. Sure. But and so like 
he's like, I got this thing. And I was like, oh, and then I don't know. I just like one of us said lapis lazuli, Julie. And we like thought it was so dumb. And we were just <laughs> laughing, you know, and I like went home. And then I woke up. I couldn't sleep. It was like oh, my day off. You know, I was like, I'm like drinking coffee and ripping bowls. And I, and I start writing Lapis Lazuli Julie, and I'm like sending them lyrics. They're like, this is not good. That's <laughs> not Please, like, make an attempt to take this seriously. <laughs> and like, we finally wrapped it into like what you hear now. That the last line uh, of the song is, um, what is it? Uh, Lot Goblin Hood Wookiee. Dusty, dusty, dusty Lot, Lot Goblin, Goblin Hood Wookiee. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this. I this, but I think we should actually make T-shirts that just say Dusty Lot Goblin Hood Wookiee. Yeah. And that's yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. that's kind of the, it's oh, kind yeah. of it's kind of the story about how I mean, like the, the the chorus was kind of unchanged, but the 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 verses definitely. I got some pretty hardcore feedback from the guys <laughs> about originally, and then. It, we worked it into something that was respectable, and, and oh, I guess the tune's kind of like a like a, a satirical perspective song about like a Wook's dream girl, right? Finding love like on lot. <laughs> yeah. if you would you say would you say you come up with the names of the songs first, and then develop the uh, the songwriting idea around the name? I That's kind of how that one happened. I, think I, I don't I think, think it's we 50, did that. 50. I think it's yeah. a little bit of both. Yeah, I usually I usually pull from the lyrics or something, or see yeah. what see the once you write it, something will pop out. Yeah. Like, and then Spoonbender, man, it's like, I mean, I used to, like, when I was in college, I was like, a, I was like 19 and was joking around with my acoustic guitar and we were watching The Matrix and like that, that kid is like bending the spoons, you know, he's like, the trick is like, there really is no spoon. I don't know, man. And so like, you know, we, we were all like really fucked up and we're just like joking around about writing this heavy metal song and. I mentioned it to these guys, and they're like, no, 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 play it. And I was like, okay, and, you know, here we are. Yeah, we just played it, like, 20 minutes ago, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, what, it's was, a, what was the last one? Dutch Orange Radio was, oh, was yeah, funny. Yeah. It's, like, my favorite. Well, so, so Dutch Orange Radio isn't even a song. It's, like, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of like a skit, really, in, yeah. on, this, on the album. And it's, uh, like, we took we took a bunch of jams that we didn't really publish the tunes. Actually, some of those songs made it on oh, the yeah, 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 there is. Yeah. If you listen to Dutch Orange Radio real close, you will hear Mountain. I think Mount, yeah, Mountain and, and Hot Wax. You will hear Mountain and Hot Wax and, and Diabetic Father. And, and, yeah, 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 and yeah, 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 yeah. Or Nine O'clock Show. It's called Nine O'clock Show. Oh yeah, sorry. So, um, anyway. Dutch Orange Radio uh, came about because we were all really drunk in here recording the album one night, and uh, like we just it was it was during the pandemic, so we you know this was our party. Our party was here. It was just yeah, it was like, we album. were all living together. Chris was living here too, so like we were all just kind of potted together. And getting drunk one night, we actually had a kegerator out back, which was we were, dangerous. We were, we were half unemployed um, at the point. Yeah, too. yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. So so it was we we basically moment. just started ripping on like like us like being like the members of different radio shows and, and talk shows and things like that. And like Chris did like a Christian broadcast and like we, we did all these like weird different like radio kind of gags and, and splice them together in sort of like a, like a skit, like a, like a produced skit and then inter interspersed it with jams of ours. And then like kind of made it. So like someone was turning a dial basically. And then I think Chris introduced it with like uh, some sort of like, Something about like Dutch colors or some yeah. shit like that. Yeah. yeah, just it became Dutch Orange Radio. 
I don't know. I don't know. That that probably made zero sense. That 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 song was birthed from the kegerator. You kind of got to listen to it, man. <laughs> Trust me. Like, I mean, there's it's very like it's, you know what it reminds me of is there's like an old comedy group that used to like put their shit on records called Fire Sign Theater, and they were like kind of like pre Saturday Night Live type thing, and they would do skits like audio recorded comedy skit CDs, and I kind of felt like it sounded like one of those, you know, like Dan's like. Aren't you sick of like watching football and not knowing like every other football game that's going on <laughs> at the same time? And like, not being able to watch every yeah. other football game at the like, same time. Isn't that so annoying? Like we do a joke where it's like, aren't you tired of being tired? Like methamphetamines. But like yeah. we're cutting like super quickly, like out of it. So it's not I don't know. It's it's definitely you need to listen to it. Yeah, I mean we're over here like chocolate. Yeah, we don't we don't need to <laughs> I feel like I just uh like I just spoke with Jerry Garcia and Bobby Weir in their early twenties. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. And I mean that in the greatest compliment ever. Um, <laughs> you guys are extraordinarily unique. Um, Thanks. Man. I appreciate that. Yeah. World of jam bands. You don't hear that all the time, so we'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's. I mean. I think every jam band is unique in itself. I mean, the jam band, you know, category, genre has its, you know, characteristics that kind of every band likes to follow. Right. Uh, but when you can make your own art out of out of however you get there, um, that's it's it's great because you let the music do the talking. Uh like it doesn't matter what the songs are called, you know they they could be called song one, song two, song three, and song four. Song two by Blur is a great song. <laughs> there you go. Uh, <laughs> exactly, and and you let the music do the talking. Uh, like I didn't, I have, I have no fucking clue what Hot Wax is about, but it, I mean it's a phenomenal song, and I'm going to continue to listen to it in my ear. <laughs> um, so I think what you're doing is is working. Very well. Um, what you guys have done all of your albums uh, independent, right? Just yeah, for the moment. Everything. Well, thanks to Kevin Shoup here, our drummer and audio engineer. Do you want to talk a little about the process? I mean, yeah, yeah. You can see the sound, uh, the sound stuff behind you a little bit, and, and everything. So you guys do everything right there. Or? Yeah, our practice. Yeah, we're, our studio. we're in the room right now where where it kind of all happens, and we 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 do all of our practicing like rigged up with headphones and in a logic session, and we all have our own independent mix, and so we're basically playing in a studio all the time. So I have over time we've developed this template in the computer with a sound that's pretty tightly dialed in, and we can just keep coming back to it like multiple times a week and we're really comfortable here in this environment. So we end up recording pretty much everything that we play. And that's kind of how this last album came to fruition was we just were playing. And a, a couple of these songs are, I mean, most of them are live cuts on, on almost every single song. It's a live cut. The drums are live on every single song. We didn't go back and retrack any drums. Um, and we basically, if we ever needed to, we would just like, splice in a couple notes here and there if there was like one little tiny spot that was kind of off we would go and patch it but primarily this whole last album spare parts has been a live album particularly uh 
no brains, no headaches. Is, hot wax. Hot and wax no yeah. brains, no headaches, and hot wax are like 100% live cuts. Um, I think there's a little bit of like you need a little bit of synth yeah. retract yeah, hot wax. But that's but that was really it. Everything else is pretty much live. And vocals too. Vocals. Oh yeah. Well yeah, we, we would retract vocals because all of our vocal mics have like room, drum, bleed, and all that. So we retract vocals, but um, for the most part, we're uh, we're a fully live situation because we're able to practice inside of a recording studio type of space. But we've been slowly accumulating stuff to build with over the over the past three years. We started in a garage for the first couple albums. And uh, for spare parts, we moved into an actual house with a basement, and you can you can really hear the sound tighten up between yeah. underneath and spare parts. There's a there's a pretty significant difference in how I, how the drums sound, and I, as the engineer and the drummer, I'm paying really close attention to the drums like at all times. Uh, and so I think we've really found a new nice tight sound in our new space. And since we're practicing in it all the time. We can essentially do live cuts for releases like, really at any time. Can I can I mention the best part about the new studio is we don't have a water heater that randomly turned That's on during true. our takes. Yeah, so like our first album was definitely like we would be practicing and then like we'd have a great take and then like the water heater would come on and just like ruin the take. Like, like ah so we'd 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 wait, literally wait until it shut off and then be like, hit record and okay, then we'd go. like go. Yeah. <laughs> so no not that we don't have that problem anymore, which is yeah, nice. This is an actual <laughs> we need a song called Water Heater. Yeah. Um, uh, Kevin, why are you why are you the audio engineer? Do you have specific experience or something, or did you go to school for that? Or well, so I've I kind of learned a little bit of it on my own before I had I went and got got educated in this one year program at a studio called Orbit Audio. It's in uh, Pioneer Square in Seattle. They have um, an educational audio program called Seattle Recording Arts. And that's where I was in a small group of, I think, five students total. And we were just like, we go to the recording studio once a week for, you know, an, an academic year's worth of time. And we start with the basics and learning how, like, just how recording in a studio works and the professional side of it as well. And by the end of the, by the end of the whole program, we were, every week we're bringing in a new band and we're, we're recording the, these bands in the studio in, in different kinds of ways. There was one band that we recorded entirely the tape. And so, and there was another band that we recorded like entirely acoustically, like in kind of a stripped down kind of way. And we recorded like some punk stuff. It was really all over the place. And so I had been messing around with like garage band and like the basics of how, how, how DAW works, how a digital audio workstation works. Uh, but then I stepped into the studio and got a real actual look at what kind of an analog studio looks like and what real signal flow is and how it works and how to optimize the sound. And I, and I did a lot of ear training there too. I you know my ability to listen to music like went significantly improved over my time there. But I mean, it was pretty short. It was only one, it was only like nine months of, of school. And I, I definitely learned a lot, but I still definitely think I'm learning more and more every week that we just do this. Every every practice, I feel like I have a little bit of tweaking to do. I'm always kind of moving my mics around on my kit. I think I have right now, I have like 13 microphones in my drum kit or something ridiculous like that. Um, so I'm always moving pieces around. I'm always tinkering. Um, but yeah, we've, we've kind of gotten to a point where our studio is pretty dialed in and we can just play. And if it's good, we can literally just release it. 
that's awesome. Kind of how spare parts happen. What's with the and anybody I guess can answer this. That's all very very interesting, man. Um, I'm sure your your expertise there is very welcome, uh, just like Aaron's uh, emailing expertise yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Aaron is the emailer. Um, what is with the the bowling theme uh, with spare parts? So well, that 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 was kind of like spare parts. Uh, like Kevin was just explaining, uh, kind of came together as just elements of like when we were all kind of quarantined uh, and just jamming together, just spending that time, just kind of partying and, and jamming, like with no agenda, no no context or anything like that. We took those recordings and listened to the recordings, and they just kind of evolved into tunes out of what we considered spare parts, basically these just spare recordings that we were kind of sitting on um and at the same time we were watching a lot of letter kenny uh which is a show on hulu and uh when uh one of the characters refers to somebody as spare parts he means they're they're dumb or like they're an idiot because you're spare parts like you're you're, you're not needed um so there, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh kind of multiple meaning in it and then of course the, the bowling theme uh came about because spare we were just kind of watching a what's it called, a Simpsons episode one day, yeah. and uh, there was like this thing <laughs> where um, where Homer uh, gets the job at the bowling alley. I can't remember why, uh, but Homer's working at the bowling alley, and like there's just this one scene where like it's it's all of them like kind of like huddled around like hugging like, and the bowling alley, and I was like that right there is a scene for the album. And, yeah, we literally uh, we we like paused the episode right like, on get a this, photo, get a photo <laughs> on this frame of like you can see those diagonal lines that we have, yeah. like that illustrate the like the lanes and there's like the crowds of people and you can pick out different characters and we literally took a picture and sent it to Aaron and we're like, This is the like build off of this, something like this, and that's what we ended up with with yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah there. So Aaron drew that album cover himself. Yeah. He's a he's a graphic designer. Wow. Yeah. That's um, illustration major from school and now in product design so it's good when i get to break up the illustration stuff for posters now martin stuff so you guys do literally everything yourself everything. Yeah, a fully in-house diy project which is the spirit of seattle in itself for sure totally yeah man i feel so sometimes i ask bands you know about their their song names or their band names and you know occasionally i'll get that ah, we just like the name there's no real meaning i don't think i would ever get that answer from you guys there's a, yeah, there's a few songs that might be strung together words, but yeah. <laughs> I like it though. I mean, I, I if if I was in a band, uh, I would. That's that's exactly how I would be. Um, I mean, intentional again. We're trying. You know, I think one thing that's we can release almost anything. We're sitting on so many recordings from the studio, but like we're always like, what is the bar of quality we want to release? And like we have a very high bar of quality to hit when it's it's our album art, our flyers, our releases, anything. So yeah. yeah. We try to do it all ourselves. There's a few people we bring in here and there. Uh, shout out to Ray Dowd. He's like the only other guy that's kind of involved in the process. He uh, he was a sound engineer for us at this festival we played uh, pre-pandemic, and then he masters our albums now and just kind of gives them that extra that extra touch before they go live. So well, and then uh, from the live side, we have Chase as well. Yeah, we've got Chase. Uh, we've got Chase who's been doing live sound. He kind of started this summer, and we're doing like backyards. Actually, the backyard show has been nice because we have more control over the sound and we can actually record and do it. So it's kind of nice. Right. So it's been good to have him uh, him doing sound. He just and actually, once you get a sound guy who actually cares and is like with you for a few shows, you're like, oh my god, it sounds better. They know what the band is. Like, yeah. it's it actually improved our lives out a lot. Just that consistency for sure. Yeah, really good. Yeah, 
I know you guys have all, I think at some point touched on, on what you're doing. Um, but I, I'm just very curious always, um, cause it's something I think that goes on or, you know, it, what the hell is the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Uh, but your, your, your life outside of music, um, you know, and what you do, um, I think a lot of times I was just talking about this with, uh, with another band sports is the same, really anything where you, you know, you put your whole life into something, uh, a craft an art, a sport. Um, Kevin, I think you said you were rowing, right? I mean, I'm sure that you, 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 is that right? That's what brought me out here originally. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, same type of thing. And like, you know, just the competition and I mean, all kind of has that same, type of deal with it so i think a lot of times people just see oh here's another album they don't know what goes into that and they don't know that you're also working full-time jobs while doing all of that um so yeah i guess it's you kind of talk a little bit about your life outside of music yeah i guess i'll start so i'm a i'm a product designer so I work in tech. I mean, Seattle is like tech, the tech hub of like outside of San Francisco these days. Yep. Uh, and I actually, I, I, I worked at like a startup accelerator back in Boston. And then I work at Rover, which is a pet care marketplace here. And I actually think like being at startups has been really invaluable because it's, it's something like I was in punk bands before and like the DIY, DIY ethos. And then you go to work somewhere and like startups are basically DIY ethos. It's like, we can build this from the ground up and you see how these things work and you start these startups and you're like, I can do this with my band and like, I can treat it like a business. And like most people feel a little lost about how to promote themselves or how to release a record. And it's just like, just do the research and figure it out yourself. Yeah. So like working at startups and then, you know, I went to art school. Um, so having that sort of like artistic, you know, sensibility kind of married the business and artistic with like a band where you're like, I get to do something incredibly creative. Um, and the actual creation of the music and I mean us being a jam band playing live is nice you get to create on stage and like every moment is like a moment of creativity and then you're like well, this business I can like, take like startup ethos and that DIY ethic and like hey like let's just go build this whole thing ourselves let's print t-shirts this is an amazing tie-dye guy so like let's just tie-dye them ourselves and go find some place to get them printed and like you don't need someone to do that stuff for you so um, I don't know try to bring a little bit of all that in man I, I've said this a few times uh, across all of you, but I mean, with that, I can very much relate, you know, as I, as I develop this brand and just like see, you know, different ways to do things. I related a lot to the professional experiences I've had at startups. Yeah. Uh, I worked for Lyft corporate uh, and then for Yelp here in Chicago. And then I work for another one right now. I won't, I can't really say much else, but um yeah, I'm, I work in tech as well, work from home, thankfully, which is very, very huge for me because I don't like to go outside of my house with them weird. Um, very cool. Who's next? Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm a professional donut entrepreneur. That's <laughs> a fancy way to say it. You know, we, uh, I have, I'm the manager of a donut shop called Mighty O Donuts uh, down in Ballard. We're one of four locations. and. We make vegan donuts, uh, and uh, they're all organic, and all the all that happy environment stuff. They're all ethical, and it's all it's all very fun. Very uh, Seattle. Very very Seattle for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been pretty fun. I I uh, right out of college, I just didn't really care about much other than having some time to do music on the side. So I just looked for a cafe job. I started at Whole Foods. 
I worked at the University Bookstore Cafe for a while, and now I'm now I'm here at Mydeo, um, and I've kind of worked my way up to having that be sustainable for myself and still have some time to do music on the side. But having the studio at home is is the is the huge key there, as we can really just come home from work and there's not a whole lot of other other stuff we gotta get organized. It's just here, ready for us. So that's yeah. a huge. Thing. But uh, yeah, as far as work goes, we're we're making we're selling donuts, we're making coffee, and. Uh, pretty cool everyone everyone who's coming in to buy donuts is usually in a pretty good mood so it's a it's a pretty fun gig gotta say do you find that you can spread the word about your band uh while uh, at the donut shop yeah, that's the key because uh aaron mentioned it briefly but chris hand tie dyes all of our shirts and they're dope so we will we'll tie dye the shirt and then we'll go and get the logo printed onto it so if i wear that to work like plenty of people are like, what's that on your shirt? Like, that's a cool, like they'll comment on it. And so yeah. well, I'll always give, give the shout out. They're like, yeah, like this is my band. Not only that, but like, like the band handmade this shirt basically. Like, so that's, we got a lot of free press out of the shirts. I gotta say. Also your last gig, you had the Moose Almighty coffee. What was that? It was like on the Oh menu. yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, at my last job, I, I invented a cafe drink called the Moose Almighty, which is, like basically everything you can put in a drink like i it's like sounds about right it's a mocha plus a chai there's espresso there's chocolate there's chai tea there's milk it's literally just you throw the kitchen sink at it i don't have it much anymore because it's a lot but uh it was it's pretty cool yeah it was a fun little fun little thing i added to my my whiteboard at work for a while but uh yeah pretty much it for me all right, so I got my donuts. Uh, even though I'm not, I'm, I am uh, the polar opposite of a vegan. Uh, <laughs> well, you probably tell. Uh, yeah, I mean, trust me. Whatever I sweat, it's, you're, I'm sweating out salami and. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Um, very cool though. Very cool. Um, what about uh, Dan, Chris? What do we got? What do we got going on? Um, well, let's see. I uh, I'm actually. I just put in notice for my job. Um, Hell yeah! Because I'm going to be focusing a lot more on music now. Um, is I, that a hell yeah? Is that a bad? Is it like yeah? Great! It's a great. It's oh, great. It's wonderful. I'm Good. Sorry. Good. I uh, I work in an assisted living community, so I work uh, at, with with senior citizens as an activity coordinator. So I play music. Uh, I do activities like exercise, we go for walks, we play games, we go for outings and things like that. Uh, it's basically just my responsibility to make sure that the, the residents are having a good day and if anybody's down or, or sad, you know, we're kind of there to cheer them up. And, Did you do that through COVID? Uh, yes, uh, I've done that for the last four years now. How was that through COVID? Uh, it was depressing. It was awful. Um, yeah. I wouldn't work. I wouldn't wish what the what those people had to go through, like on my worst enemy. You know, not being able to see their family for for over a year. You know, like it, the isolation, the everything. I mean, the the conditions that COVID basically put upon uh, the assisted living like industry uh, were, were were like tragic. Doesn't even touch upon how bad it was. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, our, our community went COVID-free. We didn't have a single case in our residence. We didn't have a single case in our staff until recently, but it was a false positive. Wow. Um, so, like, we did a stellar job preventing COVID in our community. I'm really proud of that fact. Uh, but it 
came at a, at a severe price. Like it was it like psychologically detrimental to to a lot of us uh, staff and and definitely the residents for sure. I bet. It was rough. It was super rough, but we we came out of it. Uh, we're, everything's a lot better now, um, and uh, yeah, yeah. We're I think I think we're all uh, a bit stronger because of it. But um, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a really rough eighteen months for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, shit. I I, uh, I appreciate your work. I mean, everybody, you know that that. Uh, Kind of had a position like that throughout COVID. I mean, I <clears throat> I have such an odd perspective because I really truly had it easy through COVID. I mean, I was laid off, which sucked. Uh, you know, especially once the unemployment you know got shitty, that was hard as hell. Uh, but I didn't really have to do anything besides stay home and keep my fat ass elbow deep in a bag of chips. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm not around anybody. Um, so, I mean, I, I can only imagine, you know, the, the last interview that I did, uh, on the podcast here, actually was with, uh, a woman I grew up with, went to high school with, but she lives in California now. She is a music therapist at a maximum security psych hospital. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, wow. yeah, similar to that, you know, she, that, that she said it was, it was very difficult there. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, care unit in our in our community. We have about 20, 20 odd residents who who suffer from dementia, memory memory issues, and they're in a separate wing of the community. And that that is, I mean, it's it's certainly a, a psychiatric uh, ward by any means, but that presents a, a significant amount of challenges. Uh, yeah. with people like wearing masks and like quarantine to their rooms. Like there was basically a point at that in, during the the pandemic where we were just like you know what we need to give up on trying to get these people to wear ppe like protective equipment and like we're just gonna have to double triple up on our own yeah like it, was, it was wild it was it was quite a challenge for sure it give you a perspective for sure uh chris how to follow that up now <laughs> yeah for sure so um i work for a branch of a company that treats very rare types of blood cancer and what I do for them is uh, what I've been doing roughly for like the past like eight, nine-ish years was um, performing like biochemical tests to make sure that uh, the, the drugs that we use to treat these patients uh, is safe and also effective. And now uh, for the past year, I've moved on to just teaching people how to do that. Well, that's the that's the ultimate compliment of uh, knowing if you've done well. Now you don't have to do it; you just get to teach people to do it. Yeah, no, it's been solid. Like uh, I guess the high level overview of the process is that we remove blood from from our patient, and then we isolate their immune system cells, and then we genetically modify them to attack the cancer cells in their body. And then we reinfuse that cocktail of immune system cells back into their bloodstream. Wild. Wow. It's pretty great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So all of that from all of you guys on top of obviously making three phenomenal albums in the last three years. Um, 
we could go on and on. Uh, wow, very cool. Uh, I got two more things I just kind of want to touch on before we before we wrap up. Um, who are your? Obviously, I can tell you who I hear, um, but who are your influences? You know, where do you get? Uh, and any of you can talk about. It. I don't know. Sometimes people just say, you know what? I played and I sound and I end up sounding like this person or this band. And some people hear a band when they're five, and then they try to do everything they can to specifically sound like them. So um, I'm just kind of curious where you guys are at. I mean, I think a little bit of everything. I don't know if people just want to, like, start throwing out names, but I know we sometimes are like, hey, let's cover a song, and it can be, it can be everything. I mean, well, I think, I think what would be cool, I, I think we should talk a little bit more about our specific influences, because I feel like the band has its influences, and I feel like that, that stems from, like, our own unique ones. Because, like, we all listen to very unique like none of us have very similar interests in yeah. music at all there's definitely like so like there's definitely underlying there's definitely, no, there's between, definitely but... <laughs> some, some melding ones but i feel like when it comes to what we listen to personally it's all very different yeah like, um, there's Kev, de- you go ahead there's definitely like a crossover in our interests that lands on like fish and like the dead and this very like jam band type of scene which obviously like that makes sense for our band but it definitely branches out into all of us listening to different stuff too. Like I'm, I was raised on Bruce Springsteen. Like my dad, like listens to nothing but Bruce. Like, the boss. So We're getting fish and Kevin Stone. Uh, uh, Bruce uh, to me, man. Love Bruce. So yeah, that's that's like I take a lot of my influence just as my outlook on music. Ultimately, a lot of the time goes back to some of that because it's. What I started with, it's what my my understanding of music began with Bruce Springsteen, essentially. That's a good place to start. I think I think so too. I'd have to agree. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, like as I learned about drumming, like I definitely was paying more attention to Max, who's the drummer for the E Street Band, and I try to play like him as as like insane as that is. Like I watched, I've seen Bruce live, I think six five or six times. And every time I see it, the last time I saw him was, I think, in 2016. They did a tour, and they were playing uh, Nationals Park in D.C. And they played for, like, almost four hours. Mm -hmm. And these are, like, this is 2016. Like, this band has been, like, doing this for a while. And they're playing. We're all 65, 70 years old. Yeah, and they're, like. Bruce Bruce just turned 72 last week. Yeah, and they're just, like, Max just, like smashes the drums for like four hours and, just, and i'm just like blown away that he can do that and you so know that's, that's, is the drummer of slipknot yes that's exactly what i was going to talk about next it was uh the, the there was a video that came out it was a like an mtv like drum off video between max weinberg and jay weinberg and uh jay weinberg had basically i think recently at that point started drumming with slipknot and they played sing 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 which is like one of my favorite Benny jazz. Goodman. Ben, Benny Goodman, <laughs> big band jazz. They played Sing Sing Sing. Slipknot presents. Benny yeah, Goodman. and it was amazing. It was just the two drummers. It was Max Weinberg and Jay Weinberg, and they had like you know they were just like playing the music and they had like dancers and stuff. But they just traded off, and you can see this crazy difference between like this like very upright, jazzy, still powerful but very jazzy kind of way that that Max is playing. And then you go over, you pan over to his his son, who's got this kit that's like got three times as many pieces, and he's all like bent over and he's like flailing his arms around, and it's a complete difference of style. But like you know, he was raised by this man, and so it's 
that when I saw that, I was like, I got, I've got to learn to play the drums. Like that's it right there. So I, yeah, I started to focus on drums after that because of just like watching that unfold before my eyes. Crazy. So for me, it's a Bruce, uh, and more recently, you know, I'm I'm really into like Tame Impala. Kevin Parker is, is really fascinating to me. Um, so it's a little bit of indie in there, but yeah, I find myself really kind of latching onto one thing for a long time. It's really kind of all Bruce for a long a long chunk of my musical development. Very cool, man. Very cool. So we got a Bruce Springsteen lover. Uh, we got somebody that went to John Mayer's hometown or went to John Mayer's high school. Shit, man. Uh, that's awesome. Who's next? What do we, what do we got influences? Well, I mean, I guess, I guess even though I grew up in John Mayer's hometown, I, he wasn't necessarily a huge influence on me. I can't really say. <laughs> uh, that's not okay. That's okay. I, 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 don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I think John Mayer's a phenomenally phenomenal guitar player. I love his music now. I think his cover of, um, I can't remember that Joni Mitchell tune, but I think that one is is really really great. Um, but I I I'd, I'd struggle to say that he's uh, he's an influence for me. Well, I re I think I really really fell in love with music, uh, and and became really really passionate about it when I when I discovered the Dead in high school. Uh, when I was like 15, 16, I, I grew up with with friends whose whose parents used to follow the Dead. Um, and they kind of got me into it. My parents were never deadheads, but they kind of actually pretty funny. They, my, my parents both kind of got into the dead. Through you got them into it. Yeah. Which is, which is fun. Yeah. Um, and, and my uncle's a deadhead and stuff. My dad never was or anything like that. Uh, but, but after that, after moving to new Orleans, I mean, I fell in love with so much good new Orleans music. Uh, and, and even though I was, I was, uh, first a guitar player, um, you know, you, you, you see people like Professor Longhair and like Dr. John, uh, like all these New Orleans cats, like James Booker, like really, really kill the keys um, and, and have like absolutely no fundal, fundamental understanding of like of like the rudiments of music. Like they never were never taught by anybody. And I, I resonate with that a lot because I never took lessons. So you look at people like Dr. John, like Professor Longhair, who basically um, like I think it was James Booker. Uh, who literally like pulled a piano out of an alley one day and just like taught himself how to play it. Like it's it's like these wild stories. Um, and then uh, I mean Thelonious Monk is like a big big uh, like I look I look up to him as like the the god of, of piano. Like he is just the one. Um, but I also listen to a lot of folk and uh, folk and country music like John Prine. Um, and, but like I also listen to a lot of indie music and stuff like Stephen Malcolmus and Pavement. Um, and like a lot of women in indie music, I, I think I've, I've become really, really obsessed with women in indie music because like their vocals are just like fucking top tier shit. And I, I just really, really love to to listen to women because women are running indie music right now, and some of the shit they're producing is just incredible. And yeah. I'm really, really big on that right now. But I think that's it's uh, a lot for me. I, I also, I mean, I grew up on hip hop too, but I'm not even gonna touch upon that right now because that's. Oh, and you're good, man. Yeah. <laughs> You get a little bit of everything. It's very, very cool. Uh, so my start was I was uh, kind of in height in like punk bands, like all through like high school and stuff. I was definitely like uh, just like at a friend's house and they were like in a band and they like handed me the bass and they're like, you're playing bass now. So and I was like, oh, we'll just learn from that. So, you know, like no effects, misfits, Fugazi, like we were listening to a lot of that. Um, like when I was like 16 and like we pretty much wanted to be no effects. So that was like our guiding idol and like. But at the same time, like me and the drummer in particular, 
uh, were at the time were really into fish. So it was like, I was sort of exploring, you know, oh, like this tension between like, oh, like jam bands and like, oh, we just want to jam and like go really far out. But then like being in a punk band where it's like, hit that two minutes down, hit your marks and move on to the next song. And you've got like 15 songs in 30 minutes. So um, yeah, it was sort of uh, punk music for a very long time. Um, but then, you know, I, there was a time where I was trying to think about if I was going to start a band, like where my influence was. And I, I always kind of landed on like Neil Young, The Police and like Queens of the Stone Age. It's like three bands that I just like, I love their sound. And like, I kind of, I like that genesis of like, you have the singer songwriter, but like still like the hard rock. Um, and like, of course, Sting as a bass player, like Sting is like my favorite bass player. Like I've definitely come to yeah, Kevin several times. Yeah. Oh my God. Dude, listen to Sting's bass playing. He's fantastic. You <laughs> were Copeland or fucking so locked in and like his tone is like um like it's like that punchy mid thing i've kept i've sent you a few things yeah and i'm like like let's just try to get like what can we do to get this like obviously not quite there with our setup but i'm always aspirational um and then i think the other thing that i always listen to a lot is like i really like i grew up like having a lot of country music on in the background and i like rebelled against it i was like country music sucks and i think modern country music is the worst thing on the planet but if you go back to like you know, the same of that, man. I lived in Nashville for three and a half years in the prime of all that shit about three years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You probably still have tinnitus just from that. But, um, yeah, if you go back to like Rebel Country, like obviously like Willie Nelson and Johnny Cash. And like my favorite is Johnny Paycheck, who is just like trying to come up with a name like Johnny Cash. So he lands on Johnny Paycheck and like legally changes his name to it. It's just like the most badass person ever. But I really just enjoy like, uh, like when you go back to that songwriting and it's just about like, I'm focused on the lyrics and I'm playing cowboy chords and like, what is the story? Like, I love that stuff. And like, we have a couple of points of like that always, like, even though I'm trying to write for other things, I'm always thinking like in that lens of like, like what is the story here? So I try yeah. to like, do that. John but, Barlow. Who? Like John Barlow. John Barlow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So I'm, again, it's, it's, you listen to a little bit of everything. And then of course, like there's so much new music. I'm an incredibly like hardcore King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard fan. And I just, just found them recently, man. Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, I was, um, my buddy uh, was a booker when I lived in Boston. He booked shows in Boston. He was um, he was one of the first people to bring them into Boston. And I did like I actually was lucky enough to do concert posters for three shows they did in Boston, like 2014, 15 and 16. So I got to see them at like small clubs and we were just like, this band is the best band in the world. How does no one know this? And of course, everyone found out. But yeah. they're, they're always the pinnacle I look at, too, because like they're just like we're going to switch genres on this album. We're going to do something completely different. Like we're just going to record and like the music comes first and just like put it out there. And like, obviously they're like, just like, I don't know, stamina in writing that many albums in that short amount of time. is just like uncanny. So. Um, well, Moose yeah. Almighty has the, has the potential to do exactly what you just described with, with King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I can tell you that. Uh, I mean, I, I believe I texted your song to one of my buddies last week uh and i said isn't it remarkable that there are bands of this talented that that you know people don't know about uh so i basically said the same thing so appreciate it we wow. just got a uh, kevin to do that he's gonna do five albums next year uh shouldn't be that big a deal i mean that's so, the thing man yeah. <laughs> we're recording everything i mean you know they have the same diy ethic where i'm pretty sure they have their own studio they mix their own yeah. stuff they're just you know they sit down they practice they perfect it they record it they release it and it's just them doing it and you know yeah. just doing stuff as much have you guys ever heard of uh polyrhythmics yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. they just played yeah. them too long out around here so yeah. 
that kind of remind me of the same type of mod too. Uh, Chris, can't skip over you, man. You're last yeah, no, no worries, man. I'm I'm a weird dude. Like I'm obviously, uh, I'm obviously like really heavy, heavily influenced by fish. Um, but I don't think that that necessarily comes out in like an obnoxious way in in my playing or in the band's playing. I mean, no, just in just in conversation. Just uh, yeah, in conversation. <laughs> I mean, I'll talk. I'll, I will talk music. your ear off, man. I've listened to days and days worth of of live fish but you know like for me when i was starting out playing the guitar I, i'm self-taught and i didn't know what i was doing my mom got me like a leo Kotke cd <laughs> just him and it was like you know game changing for me just because i didn't know that you could do that what was it like ice water or no something six like and that? twelve string guitar oh, was know. was the album and, and it was uh I was like 11 or 12 years old and I, I had this nylon string guitar and I'm just, you know, strumming like two or three strings at a time. And then over time, you know, my dad is like sort of odd dichotomy. It's like he either is listening to Led Zeppelin or like the most basic dad rock, you know, Steely Dan, uh, the Eagles. How is, you can't lump Steely Dan with the Eagles. Yeah, but I'm just yeah. saying that it's it's a very yeah. typical kind of like something you'd find at like, you know, when you're 12 at your backyard, parents throwing the barbecue type thing. And uh, my mom had like this huge collection of CDs in the 90s that was just all different types of 60s and 70s rock. And I don't know, it's it's weird. Like, you know, I don't think about my influences when I play with these guys in particular when I'm writing. And I don't know, I, I guess I just try to like listen to them and then not try to play a solo every second of a jam. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That's, I, you know, I, it's, it's weird. It's, I don't really think about it between like adding textural noises and then taking leads and we're really communicative and that's super helpful. And, you know, it's, I'm working with three really, really top notch guys and it's, it makes my job super easy. Yeah, it's great, man. Because um, yeah, I do think it's it's interesting. Like you say, you're like you're not trying to solo all the time. I've been in bands prior where like a lot of it is like this is my moment to shine and I'm gonna go all out and like I'm trying as hard as I can to solo and like I actually don't think we ever like any of us have that moment, which makes it interesting because like a lot of jam bands are like I'm gonna take this amazing solo for five minutes and the spotlight is on me and like that's never. I don't think any of us actually do that, which is interesting. I hadn't thought about that. No, you don't have to. When the song's eight minutes long, you can spread it out and and experiment. I mean, in different ways. I think that's the one of the great benefits of having longer songs. Well, yeah, um, we're following, but it's not like the spotlight trying to like shine one thing. It's like a very you're always trying to mix in with everything. Well, and it's hardly a solo. It's like we we kind of ride those waves of energy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think what makes the music last, uh, and I appreciate all of that. That's very, very interesting. I, we, we could talk for, I, I mean, another five hours, I'm sure. Um, last question for me that I'm, I'm curious about because I know you guys sounds like all of you, uh, other than, than maybe Dan, uh, love your or at least like your jobs that you're doing, uh, outside of, of <laughs> um, music. Uh, so what. Are your goals with Moose Almighty? Because you used you used the words, uh, we do music on the side a few times with me. Uh, is it music full time, and you do jobs on the side, or what is your what is your actual goals? 
that's my goal right there is is more is to have that like scale kind of bend the other way where right now it's kind of like the bulk of my time is at work and i think the same can be said for a lot of us and yep. like, doing a couple practices a week and yeah i'd love to see it kind of the pendulum go the other way where we're doing more stuff with the band because that can become more like we can have greater opportunities and that's kind of started that's starting to happen for us i mean between this summer and and this fall like we've got a lot of gigs and we're at the point where we're we're turning we're turning gigs down which i would that would have been unheard of to me a couple of years ago um and like we're starting to play places that are music venues and not just bars but also play music so there's there's some pretty significant growth that i've I, I personally have seen from us in, in the last like six months to a year, and uh, yeah, I, I only hope that continues and that, that scales yep. away with less work, more music. Just keep doing what you're doing. Yep. Yeah. I know I, I made the analogy before, but like I definitely view it like a startup, and like a lot of people, you work on your startup on the side, and like once you find that market fit, and like people are interested, and like there there'll be a moment I think if you're successful where like you have to chase it. And like, I think you, you kind of just prepare yourself and you're like, what can we do to get to that point? And like, I think it's a little misguided for people to like quit their jobs day one of starting a new venture and will say, I'm going to focus on this and become, you know, rich and famous, successful and tour the world. But I think you can keep building those things. And like, hopefully it will become evidently clear one day if there is an opportunity for us that like we should jump on it is kind of the way I'm looking at it. It's putting yourself in a good position if the lightning does strike. Yeah. yeah. I think, I mean, again, I, I, and not to be cheesy corny, but yeah, I, I, you've got all the elements to, in my opinion, I don't know what my opinion fucking matters to you, but uh, yeah. Man, I, yeah. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've got all the capability to do everything you want to do, I think. Um, just got to keep doing it. And I mean, I, I should listen to my own advice because I feel the same way about, you know, what I'm doing here. Uh, but a lot of the time I get in my own head and, you know, I know how that goes and shit, man. So you guys got to keep doing it. I'm telling you from the outside looking in, um, you have everything. Anything that we have not covered, anything at all that you, uh, what's the dog's name? I've seen it. There's a dog roaming around the studio there. This is Groucho Marx. This is my dog. Um, what the hell is his name? Groucho Marx, like the comedian. Oh, I don't know who that is. So Groucho Marx was like an old radio comedian back and like, well, and he'd be part of the Marx Brothers, like Groucho, Chico, Harpo, like they were like a comedy team back in like, okay. maybe even earlier than that. Uh, yeah. I think, I think even earlier than that. You, pretty you know, um, you know who he is. It's the, it's the eyeglass, nose, mustache, disguise. Yeah. Like the classic, the, the classic, bushy, like the eyebrows, mustache. Big oh, that long ago. Yeah. So yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah, Groucho yeah. Marx. Like that, Got that's. It. Like he's like the classic like slapstick kind of comedy guy. Like, um, that's so the dog. That's the dog, and he Groucho sits in on all of our practices, and he just kind of sits in in the studio. He sits on the couch, and the drums don't bother him. It was just say, is he in the studio when you're making music? Yep, all the time. He didn't, he didn't care. No, and he and he's and his hearing is actually still great. I can whistle really from him, like like. Just figured that was why. And, was he, okay <laughs> and like he, he, he'll he'll come for me like, you know, all all across the house. Like he, he can still hear just fine. Yeah. He'll be seven. Hope I mean I don't think his hearing is gonna last too much longer if he keeps sitting in on practices. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. I mean he, he doesn't seem to want to be anywhere else. So. Cool dude. Uh, anything else, guys? At all? Uh, yeah, I'll share one exciting piece of news. Uh, we're putting out a live album. Hopefully yes. the end of October. 
uh, tentatively targeting Friday, October 29th. We still need to finish some things, so hopefully that, that hits. But, uh, yeah, we recorded a bunch of uh, sets this summer. Um, in July, we played, like, six shows. And, like, it was a lot of, like, backyards and stuff because it was still, like, coming out of COVID. We did play uh, the Blue Moon Tavern, which is, like, an indoor bar. But otherwise, we were playing, like, people's backyards and house parties and festivals type stuff. Um, so we recorded five or six shows and we're kind of picking the best ones and going to put a Spotify live album release out there. So we're very excited about that. So um, that's going to be dope. And again, as a live band, it's like we're very excited to kind of put out the first. We have we have a lot of shows on our band camp that we put out of varying quality. You know, it depends on how good the sound guy and the soundboard was. But um, this one, we're feeling very confident. It's like Spotify worthy. And um, yeah, just really excited for that. Yeah, well, shit, me too. Uh, and anybody, hopefully, that's in, in your music would uh, would be, because, yeah, our new stuff is great, man. Very excited for that. Um, as much as possible, while we still can. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, this has been great, guys. I, you know, like I've said a few times, I think we could keep going another three hours if we really wanted to. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I think I said I've got your back. I, I, I love your music. I think you're doing great great things in music and outside um so that that needs to be said as well keep your heads down keep doing the thing and and you're gonna you're gonna do everything you want to do achieve everything you want um appreciate it very much guys thank Thank you you so much for having us appreciate words of advice back at you with this venture so thank you thank you very much that is moose almighty coming out of seattle appreciate it guys thanks again have a good one Whew. So as you could hear, very natural connection there with them. Um, you know, I I touch on that a lot. And and if you if you listen to every one of these podcasts, I actually kind of hope there's some, there there aren't really anybody that listens to every single one because you probably hear my re- me repeat myself over and over and over and over again. If that's the case, um, in a good way. I mean, I you know, I, truly, there's not been an interview that I've had yet, and and I I would tell you. You know, I don't know if I'd say exactly who it was, but um, I would tell you if it was a case and it, it just hasn't where we've, you know, got together and it's not been, you know, a natural conversation or anything like that. Um, you know, everybody has a little something different going on. Uh, while, of course, everybody's, I think, general mission is the same, you know, general goals are the same and that you want to continue to make art the art that you're making, express yourself, continue to be able to do so uh, and get to a point where. You can do it full time and, and spend your life creating your craft and, and mastering your craft. I think that's what we're all in this for, you know, even myself included. And I might not necessarily be a band, but, uh, you know, in managing and, and creative stuff and whatnot. I say that ultimately, um, you know, just to round it out again to like, I, I, you know, Moose Almighty was unique in their own ways as well. And, and just um, really, really rooting for them. And. I, you know, I've, I've said it a few times, I mean, in the sense of the music that I really, really enjoy and, and love wholeheartedly, I mean, by all means, I love lots of different music, uh, rock music, especially and blues, but, um, the jam bands has always been kind of one that's, that's really separated itself for me. I, I just, you know, and being somebody who, uh, is into the stoner culture myself, uh, very admittedly, um, and just kind of kicking back and wanting to to just truly release everything you know into the into the music that you hear and just really go into another world um there's no better music for that in my opinion my opinion i'm only one man uh may not mean anything to you and that's okay um but 
I'm not going to keep rambling on and on here. Um, this is a long one, and I want to get you guys out of here. And I, I again, just cannot thank everybody enough uh, for tuning in to this episode. And all October had a great October. Um, I'm not sure who's next in November, so I will say I've got four interviews uh, recorded right now for the month of November, and another one next week. Uh, so that'll be five. I don't have a schedule out yet, um, but I'm sure that'll be coming out probably the next seven to ten days or so. Uh, to get ready for uh, another month uh, in here in the uh, Mid Park Music On Air podcast. But uh, for today, that was Kevin, Dan, Aaron, and Chris of uh, Moose Almighty. Cannot thank them enough. You know, uh, again, I say that a lot, but I genuinely mean it. You know, I know these guys are busy enough as it is with music and everything outside of music and their personal lives and whatnot. So to take, uh, you know, 90 minutes, full two hours to, to sit down and talk with me really means a lot. And uh, your support means a lot as well, everybody listening in. So thank you, as always. Uh, on the way out here, we are going to hear one of uh, the very first songs that we've put out. Tito's
Tu vas aussi 